Hello, I'm Bentley. And I'm Samuel. And this is the Review Podcast. Podcast. All right, so I'm going to really let you take the lead at the beginning of this before I start to rave like a madman about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Because, you know, I was not going to watch this. There have been so many Spider-Man movies. I still haven't watched all the live-action ones. I totally missed the two Andrew Garfield ones. Which I will try and go back and see at some point. But you know, yeah, you're we, good. We, well, you know, we did a podcast about Spider Man Two. You know, the live action stuff. It's tough to keep up with all of the Marvel live action movies going on. And of course, there's been this whole revolution in animation. I still want to see Ralph breaks the internet because it looks like they're doing interesting things with conceptualizing the internet. Like, how would that look if you were inside it as a character? So there's all this really interesting stuff going on. But you know. You're the guy who read Ultimate Spider-Man? I didn't read that. I am ride or die for Ultimate Spider-Man. So this wasn't really... I don't... What is this? I don't know. So this Ultimate... Okay, where to start? You have the next 20 minutes. Go. No, no, no. Into the Spider-Verse is a very, 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 very weird film to talk about the genesis of it because it comes from about six different things... And frankly, none of it should work. None of it should work. And and I absolutely have spoilers, people. I love this film to death. But if you put all this on a piece of paper, none of this is supposed to work. Yeah. So what they're pulling from, not that people really care. And I want to keep this podcast focused on not nerd things because I think this movie is a genuine, you know, watershed moment for animation. But briefly, this movie is pulling from Brian Michael Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man comics, which were launched as as a refresh of the character back after the very first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. Hello, Samuel's childhood. Those ran for like 15 years or something, and they, they, they wound up introducing a new character in that called Miles Morales, who's also Spider-Man. He's just kind of the inheritor of the mantle after the original Ultimate Peter Parker dies. Miles was so beloved by the comic community that they introduced him to the mainstream Marvel comic universe. But that's just a piece of it. Because the idea of the Spider-Verse comes from Dan Slott's run on Amazing Spider-Man a few years ago. Where Dan Slott hypothesized, okay, all of these different interpretations of Spider-Man, they all exist. And they can all interact. And so he had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man interacting with the 70s uh, Japanese Spider-Man where he had like a giant <laughs> robot right. and he punishes evildoers and like, you know... The, he, Which you can see on YouTube. Yeah. YouTube. You know, interacting with the 70s cartoon Spider-Man where, you know, everything's like really poorly animated and, you know, it's, it's all of these interpretations. Yeah, except... I guess there's been no love for the live action Spider-Man from the Electric Company. Hello. Yeah, no, he's he's in the in, he's in the uh, original Spider-Verse crossover. Is as he? Well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. I think for maybe like a panel or two. Hey. It's but the idea was that you could pull together all of these disparate parts and they actually okay. created new versions of Spider-Man for that crossover, including Penny Parker, who is a uh, young Japanese-American girl who pilots a robot that has the spirit of her father who's in a spider. That Which is dangerously close to. Dangerously close to Evangelion, and I love it. 
We're going to be doing a whole podcast about Samuel's favorite anime. Oh, man, that is going to be a trip. But uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Noir is in there. Uh, and they have, of course, included an artifact of your childhood, Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. Man, am I happy that got If in. you would have told me even <laughs> two years ago that I would be able to walk into a cinema and pay money... To see. see Peter Porker, the Incredible Spider-Ham. Yeah. I would have called you a bald-faced liar. And, and I would have as well. And actually, that character in this movie is a really great example of how the wheel of time turns, right? So I'm sitting there. I, I actually knew that uh, Spider-Ham was in the movie. I was really interested to see how they would put him in. It's very well done. It's very balanced. It's not uh, forced. And the voice, though, I thought was absolutely Nathan Lane because I'm a Gen Xer. I think Nathan Lane is a little more towards Baby Boomer. So he was the voice of, uh, who was the meek rat in uh, Lion King? Timon? Yeah, he's the voice of Timon. Yeah, no, it's so, but it's actually John Mulaney. So he's your generation, right? Well, he's 36 years old. I don't know if he's my generation, but... John Mulaney is a, a comedian whose star is rapidly ascending. He's yeah. had a couple Netflix specials, wildly beloved by my generation. He He's just taken off like a rocket. Yeah, um, this Spider-Man movie is clearly for your generation. Yeah, they pumped it directly into my veins. It was great. <laughs> they pushed it straight into my eyeballs and didn't stop for two hours. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Well, other... let's do this. Let's do this. So you know the source material way better than I do, and yet they were making some really interesting choices in here that I really liked, which we'll get to. But in specific, they added some things to the Miles character that are not in the comic book. Yeah, it, it's very interesting that they've made his origin story kind of tangled up in uh, the Spider-Verse stuff because he really... In the original Ultimate Spider-Man comics, he really just... Peter Parker dies in those, and he just becomes Spider-Man. Later on, he meets you know, the, the, the mainstream universe Spider-Man, and he gives him some tips, but it's not like this. This is much yeah, so, much more organic, and, and it entertains... And the movie is always kind of a mashup, but they added something to his character. Oh, the, you're getting to the graffiti artist yeah. stuff. Yeah. So to my knowledge, from my recollection of the comics, and I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that Miles is not a graffiti artist in the original stuff, and adding that element to his character is actually just awesome. It, it gives him... A lot more, uh, I think, edge that I think the original Miles is kind of missing. It connects him um, to his uncle. Yeah, it connects him to his uncle, his Aaron. street uncle, which is really important to the movie. It distinguishes him from the prep school kids that he's been thrown in with. Yeah, there's not a lot of, in the comics, he's very, this this conflict that they show about him, you know, wanting to leave the prep school, not really present in the in the comics. It, it might be there for like a beat or two, but it's not a, it's not like it is here. Uh, and I think they've I think this has done what the very 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 best comic book movies do which is or, or uh, adaptations of any kind mm -hmm. of from any medium mm -hmm. you distill the ideas and the character and you fit it into a new medium yeah and they have done that absolutely flawlessly I mean they've completely stuck the the landing on this um, well there's one gaping hole oh yeah so for me for and for, yeah. for for okay so as they tell the different origins of these different Spider-Men, this might be really confusing to parents, right, who are, have been dutifully taking their children to Marvel 
cinematic universe movies for years now. I know parents who don't know anything about the characters, but they see all of these movies because their kids want to see it. So they've been literally dragged along through this universe. And now here's another Spider-Man movie. And I'm sure these parents, these friends of mine, are like, okay, what, now, huh? It's animated? But they do this great job of explaining very quickly, very deftly. They're, they're jumping along very quickly. They've got a great little kind of narrative framework where each one sort of tells their own origin in a very abbreviated way and it ends with the comic book cover landing on the pile they're literally showing you these things are from this source material and here's the framework so you know yeah the the middle-aged spider-man in this movie you know they drop a cover at the end of his origin that is a comic book I bought in the 70s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I loved that. And it's so clearly supposed to be the Spider-Man from the first three live-action Spider-Man movies. The Tobey Maguire trilogy. And yet... He's voiced by Jake Johnson. Not, not Toby. Toby. So... Where are you, Toby? Where are you, Toby? That'll be our refrain instead of, where are you, Chuck D? It'll Look, be. Toby has done almost nothing since he was in Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby, which was, I think, 2013. Okay, he ran so him out on a rail. Toby is not doing anything right now. Why is he not the voice of what is a hilarious character? Middle-aged Spider-Man is awesome yeah, in this movie. Yeah, he's got a gut. He's, he's, he's <laughs> screwed up with Mary Jane. He's he's just. But this... I thought he was working out in his apartment. <laughs> I'm in my apartment doing ab crunch, just getting strong, you know. As he's they're just, showing him eating pizza, just shoveling pizza into his <laughs> mouth, and and as he gets abducted to Miles' dimension, like half of the drama of that is him trying to gather up his Spider-Man costume and also take this piece of pizza with him <laughs> before and he gets sucked through the multiverse. <laughs> so. It's ridiculous. Um, and yet not voiced by Toby. That's a huge miss in what is otherwise a landmark movie. You, yeah. know, you know that the thesis of the podcast, I've been resisting this for the year and a half that we've been doing this, that I didn't want to just turn into a flavor of the week, you know, what's the latest thing at the multiplex. But I'm sorry, this is a landmark movie, and I can say that having just watched it last night. Well, I know people who are going back to see it three, four, five times. I mean, it's... As will I. It's... This is a watershed moment. They have... Sony has gone... I want to talk about the industry for just like a minute or two. The broader picture of what this movie means. Yeah, me too. Sony was so desperate three years ago. They had the rights to Spider-Man. They own the rights to film Spider-Man Forever, as long as they make a movie every, I think it's five or seven years. And or something. he is the most popular character in the Marvel Universe. And despite s- people loving Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr., but that that character was nowhere near the popularity of Spider Man over the decades. And he never will be, even now. Go to any five year old's birthday party, you won't see Iron Man, you'll see Spider Man. I cannot emphasize enough, folks, how badly Sony had screwed the pooch three years ago. They had had two amazing Spider-Man movies that were anything but amazing. Nobody really cared about them. Spider-Man 3, while it made buco bucks, was so critically panned that it killed that series. Behind the scenes, because of the Sony leaked emails, we know that Amy Pascal and Avi Arad, who are producers of this film, they were having so many fights behind the scenes. They couldn't couldn't coalesce around a new direction for Spider-Man. 
So they came back to Marvel and Disney on their hands and knees saying, please make the Spider-Man movie for us. Please, we'll let you play with him in your Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. We just need to get something happening. So talk about a Hollywood just completely devoid of ideas that you can't come up with a spin for this really super popular character in the pop culture. I mean, that you go to another company... Who has had raging success, but you really need somebody else to give you your ideas? That's pretty pathetic. So the first test of this to see if Sony could get back on its feet was Venom. And Venom turns a tidy little profit. Well, wait a minute. Let's, let's, yeah. let's go ahead and say that Marvel, of course, gets it right. Yeah, well, of course. Right? They get back Spider-Man, so you get this uh, British actor who's almost a teenager, right? Yeah. It's so he's by far the youngest person to play Spider-Man live in a big-budget movie. They work him into the Avengers. He is funny. He's live. He's, he's moving all over the place. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming was a great movie, I thought, yeah, uh, yeah. for the Spider-Man story. So, of course, Marvel gets it right, and then you come back with Venom. Yeah, and so they make Venom, and that makes a tidy little profit. And so it's kind of like, okay, maybe Sony's getting back on its feet. And then they have this, which is produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who did all the 21 Jump Street stuff. They've done a whole bunch of comedies. They were the original directors of Solo before Kathleen Kennedy fired them. Mm -hmm. Don't believe that it was creative differences. They were in the middle of filming, and they got fired. And... If they didn't, you know, if this, this is such, this must be such a vindication for them. This must be like. Yes. Well, because if you get fired off a Star Wars movie, I mean, that's like the end of your career. I mean, it's. <laughs> Usually. And this also wraps in an animation studio that I wasn't familiar with. What else have they done? Do you well, know? Sony Pictures Animation? Is that what you're looking for? Broadly, but no, there, there was a. There's, you know a, what there's another done. company underneath that that's I, really I driving a lot of this. You can look it up while we talk. But, I, I don't um, know. We'll remind everybody else what Sony uh, Animation has done. Uh, the greatest animated surfing penguin movie of all time, <laughs> Surfs Up. I know, but that was a long time ago. I and as I'm my watching... thesis that I will tell anyone who likes this movie is that Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse would not exist without Surfs Up, baby. Okay, surfing penguins made this possible. That's my I thesis. can't even go there, but so so Sony Animation hasn't had a hit in a long time. These these guys who were kicked off of Solo are just about out of Hollywood. Uh, Sony itself, you know, can't do a Spider-Man movie on its own. So there's a lot here that would make somebody like me who loves the source material has seen. And it's a two-hour film, and it's a two-hour animation. So ballsy. Film. I was going to skip this. I absolutely was going to skip this movie, but Samuel insisted, and I had started to read uh, commentary in the pop culture media that said, no, no, this is fantastic. How did they make this movie? It's really kind of a miracle, which, you know, when you look at some other great classic films, they are also miracles. You know, Gone with the Wind had three different directors. Yeah, man. So when you watch... Avengers. They made this movie for only $90 million. Wow. Oh, my God. This is such a coup. This is a living coup. Yeah. Well, we'll let's check what the box office is uh, when, you're, when you're done looking at the animation. Starring production companies. Obviously, Columbia Pictures, yep. Sony Pictures Animation, yep. Marvel Entertainment, yep. Arad Production, which is Avi Arad's thing, 
Lord Miller production, Pascal Pictures. No, Pascal that's not, Pictures is what I was thinking. That's of. just Amy Pascal. That's, oh, I that's, thought that was that's an animation. Just, no, no, no. This is Sony Pictures Animation. Okay, well, this good for them. This is them. Good for them. So, so, Surfing Penguins! Okay, well, so as an animated movie, this is what really blew my mind. This is the first comic book movie, okay? Yeah. There have been animated movies that I've loved, like Surfing Penguins, like the early Pixar. Hell, Uncle Jonathan and I went to see... Mask of the Phantasm in the theaters when the Batman animated show was so popular in the 90s that they took uh, what they had made as a two-hour... It was supposed to be a direct-to-video cassette Yeah, but it was so good they put it in the theaters. So that's that's an animated movie, absolutely, but it was a superhero character in an animation form. Right, and when I watch Iron Man starring Robert Downey Jr., that's a superhero movie. It's not a comic book movie. It's a superhero movie. This Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a comic book movie. I'm sitting there watching all the different things they do with texture to make it look like you're reading a comic. Okay, they do all of the stuff with the panels and the covers. They're playing around with your perception constantly and the little dots that make up the way that comic books used to be colored yes that all of the details are so fantastic and they were playing around with them from moment to moment to moment so much that i thought we had actually stumbled into a 3d showing of the movie because i'm watching the main character but because it's a wide screen you know off to the side i could perceive that things were out of focus things were sort of coming into focus and fading sometimes there was a double image and i was like Am I supposed to be wearing 3D glasses watching this? Because it looks like a screen for a 3D movie would look if you weren't wearing the glasses. Mm-hmm. And no, they were intentionally doing all of this weird stuff to let you always know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that this is a movie about creating a universe by drawing. Right? Yeah. It's not just Miles being an artist himself. It's not just all the different ways they portray the different Spider-Men from the different multiverses. It is that on almost every scene, they're playing around with how you in the audience are watching this action happen. It, it's hard to describe without you know sitting somebody down to watch it. But this is a comic book movie in a way that other movies like would dip their toe into. I mean, I still defend the first live-action Hulk movie, because Ang Lee was trying to do that. He would do panels on the screen. But those were just for a few seconds within what is clearly just a standard live-action movie. Can we spend five seconds uh, appreciating the fact that the next thing in Ang Lee's filmography is Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> like he, he finishes Hulk, and he's like, God, I really want some Oscars. I just really need to <laughs> put these suckers in my face here. And, and yeah. uh, I just think that's so funny. Um, but, but this is start to finish a comic book movie. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. And it's entirely, I mean, the entire voice cast is awesome. But, I mean, it is really anchored by uh, Shamik Moore as Miles Morales and Jake Johnson as Spider-Man. Because even though it probably should be Toby by Where's all Toby? Jake does a perfectly good job as he's, old he's, Spider-Man. He's as, hey, hey, hey. As, 
middle-aged. Middle-aged he's Spider-Man. He's not old. I love how everyone's, like, first <laughs> comment is that he's got, like, a gut. That, like, he's, he's thicker. Well, he's, he's Spider-Man. Li- he's extra thick Spider-Man. He's literally wearing sweatpants. Yeah. Which somebody remarks, I'm like, are those, are those sweatpants? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's an all-star cast. I mean, again, to go back to the thesis that you know every bit of this movie is a coup. Uh, Mashallah Ali as Ultimate Prowler, and yes, he's been yeah. he's been in oh my god! I mean, he was in Moonlight. He he's he's been he was in The Wire, right? He's he's yeah, he's a major. He character. Well, absolutely. he's been in House of Cards. He was kind of the he's, fixer. He is hot right now. Yeah, and does a great job with again a, a kind of a character bit that's pretty easy yeah. to just sort of run through. Yeah. Uh, without giving it texture, uh, and he's quite believable. Yeah, and I won't spoil who he plays, but Chris Pine is in this movie as <laughs> well, and that is—I mean, I didn't believe it at first. My you know, I dad, got that. dad nudged me I immediately. Got that right it's away. Chris Pine. I was like, no, it's not Chris Pine. Like, <laughs> it's totally Chris Pine. It's got Lily um, Tomlin as Aunt May. She which does is a great Aunt May. Great casting, and uh, Kathleen Hahn is another character I won't spoil, but she. Uh, takes her ball and runs with it. Yeah. Um, and they've got, uh, I think if there's any weak link in the voice cast, it might be uh, Liv Schreiber as Kingpin. Not because he's bad at all. It's just he's, it's a very different Kingpin than probably what anyone is used to. Even even people who aren't like huge into comics will probably be surprised that that voice comes out of that character. Well, yeah. So I hated it. Uh, you're, oh. you're doing a very nice thing by setting me up to say, He's, he's portrayed very much as kind of a New York, kind of Brooklyn mafioso goomba. And that's not the way I see the character. That's not the way he's been written. And if you watch the Daredevil show on Netflix, that's not the way Vincent D'Onfrio plays him. I Certainly love, not the way that Vincent has played him, no. <laughs> Vincent is a great actor, one of my favorites, and I love his take on Kingpin. What I do love about this Kingpin in this movie is, again, as we're playing with the visual styles... People are gonna want, gonna look at this movie like you know the parents of my generation are gonna be like, why is he just a giant black square? Well, Samuel and I know why yeah. he's a giant black square. <laughs> so when I was in college, like nineteen eighty six or eighty seven, there's a one shot comic. It's a prestige publication. You know, it's it's uh, oversized. It's not a normal comic book. Uh, it's uh, square bound, so it's not hardcover. That that kind of pretentiousness comes a little later. But it's done by Frank Miller and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, and it's fully painted. So it, this was Marvel really early on when The Watchmen was coming out for DC. Marvel was saying, you know, well, we are serious as well. We can create art as well. And this story between Daredevil and the Kingpin actually is the whole plot to the Kingpin character in this movie. And the fact that they drew him in this movie the way Sienkiewicz painted him in 1986 is a beautiful thing. It's so crazy to see Absolutely beautiful. Nobody's going to get this in the theater except me and Samuel and a couple of other really hardcore fans of comic books. But it serves the purpose of distinguishing Kingpin in this weird, candy-colored, uh, constantly shifting multiverse. Yeah, and right. There's so much black going slab. on. He's this black slab. It becomes really important as we get towards the climax of the action because things just start to break down visually. It's completely kind of tilt a whirl, 
uh, candy colored explosion. It's, it's just bonkers what they start to do. And yet there's the black slab in the middle of it. Yeah, so, so you never lose track of the action because it's this, man. He's, this, he's an edifice. And of course, you're going to have to enter the cage when you get to this movie. Uh, Come on. Uh, you know it was his role. You couldn't have given it to anyone else. Yes, you could have. Nick Offerman. I thought that. No. I thought that no. Spider Man Noir was being <laughs> voiced by no, Nick Offerman. No, Nicholas Cage's Spider Man Noir is perfect casting. Yeah. There's no one else they could have called. There's no one else. Like, that's the top of the list, man. All right, all right. He named his son Con L, okay? I, yeah, he's, no. he's, he's an irredeemable nerd. His, I know, his but stage I'm really name over comes. Cage. I know where his stage name comes from. Okay, so give, give, give. You have to give the band something. You have to let him. All right. Know. Well, he's had a great year between this and Mandy, which I mean is not my bag, but you know everyone who watches any horror films will tell you Mandy was great. Well, let me just say this. Okay, we talked about this last night after you. Me and your brother were raging about how great this was because yeah. Truman saw it last night as well, and it just exploded for yeah. all three of us. Shout out to Truman. Shout out to Truman. But I asked you immediately, okay, what's next? After you do this fantastic piece of cinema, what's next? And you said they're already working on a sequel to this movie. Yeah, we haven't talked about uh, Spider-Gwen. There's going to be a Spider-Gwen movie, but you know what? There's not going to be a Spider-Man noir. I want a Spider-Man noir and Spider-Ham team-up movie. <laughs> I want Spider-Man noir and Spider-Ham's universe, and then I want Spider-Ham and Spider-Man noir's oh, universe. Okay, you know what? I would actually watch that. Do animals talk in this world? Because I don't want to freak him out. <laughs> I love the way he goes, that's all, folks. And, and then- Middle-aged Spider-Man goes, can he say that? Like, legally? Um, <laughs> there's so many incredible gags in this, and, and it's just all, it's all anchored by character interactions. You yeah. know, these are not, it's not, you know, weird, uh, off-the-wall, non-sequitur humor, which I love as an adherent to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, but, but the whole visual style is non sequitur. So you've got to have something hold all that together. Yeah, and 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 it's the characters and well, I specifically think, Miles. Yeah, you know? Miles. I mean, Miles is the glue that makes uh, all this. Miles work. Morales was a landmark in the comic book world, right? Yeah. In the printed, published art form, and the fact that they've now successfully transitioned him to the movies is a big, big deal. Yeah, it's it's. Because I'm sorry, 10 years of the Marvel Universe uh, in live action, you show me where that diversity is. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Rhodey, you bet, but they are so desperate for this new Captain Marvel movie because it's just a bunch of white guys for the most part. Yeah. Well, and I think Marvel's a little upset that DC actually beat them to the diversity punch by giving Wonder Woman her own movie first. Yeah, well, they had their chance. Yeah, They totally could have made a Black Widow story Eight years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. No. It's just... uh, Whatever. But they... It's weird how it comes full circle because Miles Morales is created as a direct response to the fan campaign to get young actor Donald Glover, the guy who played Lando in Solo, to be Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man. Right. Because when the word gets out that they're casting a new Spider-Man, I was like, this guy... He's young, he's nerdy, yeah. he's funny, yeah. he's all of it. He's the, he's the triple threat. Yep. And, you know, of course there's backlash to that. People are like, well, Spider-Man can't be black. And right. Brian Michael Bendis, who created Miles Morales, has said in interviews, he said, I saw that whole thing play out, and I said, man, I really would like to see that. And then I had my second thought, which was, 
I could, I could see that. I could write that. I could just make that happen. <laughs> yeah. And so he did. So it's so wonderful to see this all come full circle. And, and Well, and we had the great privilege to talk to Brian Michael Bendis when yeah. he came to Columbus. Name before. dropping. Name dropping. Well, no, come on. There's a reason why uh, I think our podcast, we are just two voices in the great cultural discussion yes. of what's going on. And... Uh, but we do have some props, right? I mean, we can explain a lot of the background to this yeah. to people who don't know the comics. And uh, as a comic creator myself, it was a really big deal for me to meet Bendis. He is a big hero of mine. He's a fantastic writer. Yeah. And the chance to to hear him talk for an hour on the stage at CCAD and also to get him to sign some of his works uh, that I dearly love and to... <laughs> Make some jokes with him. You know, I got to hold his phone. So, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's name dropping. But you know what? It's been a great year for uh, our interaction with him. And to have it end with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is so clearly based on his work, it's been a great year. Yeah. What's really funny, though, is that now he works for DC. <laughs> now yeah. he's writing Superman comics. So we were joking about after we saw Into the Spider-Verse that we come out. It's like, that had to be a really weird premiere for him. Like, hey, guys, uh, go pick up Young Justice number one on sale soon. Like, <laughs> Well, so this is good news for you because what that means is 10 years from now, we'll get a decent Superman movie and a decent Young Justice. And, yeah. You know, it's, he's, <laughs> he's writing the script right now. Well, you know, my other hope, and, and this might be too far down the rabbit hole, and I won't spend more than a second on this, but, uh, you know, my real hope is that because they – rightfully so plaster his name all over this movie he's an executive producer he's an easter egg i think three times in this film yeah three different times he shows up on somebody's phone yeah you can't leave (laughs) this film not knowing who created miles yeah i'm really hoping this gets us a powers movie oh that'd be great but we can't go too far down that rabbit hole oh okay awesome Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm telling you old people, I'm sorry, middle-aged people, go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a very entertaining, very funny, very visually beautiful movie. You have to see this on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, it's absolutely worth first-run money. It's probably worth second-viewing first-run money. I'm going right back. It's uh, my brother informed me last night as he was walking out of the theater that he was going to go see it today again yeah so i will probably catch it at a matinee next weekend again yep Yep. Uh, i'm just gonna pour it into my eyeballs until they say i can't go into the theater anymore sir i need you to leave (laughs) um you know if uh, it's it's beautiful i want to i want to go out i'll tell you what it's a rare movie and this is probably a probably a very unique endorsement you won't get from anyone else's review it's a rare movie that makes me not only want to go out and reread the source material, but makes me want to go out and buy the hardcover art book for the making of this movie. Oh, yeah. You can go on Amazon right, right now and right. drop 30 bucks on a hardcover making of art of this movie where you yeah. can see the concept art and the production sketches and the animation process. And I might go on Amazon right now and make that purchase. You are employed. I am employed. <laughs> well, my phone also just broke, so. Anyway. I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley. And this is the Re-View Podcast. Thwip, thwip.